Hello, I'm Clive Nash. Welcome to Let God Speak. Last week, we learned that we are to love God and our neighbours. This includes the poor, the weak, the outcast and the stranger. Today, we will continue to discuss themes from the book of Deuteronomy. We hope to discover that Israel were to learn from their history. That's a good lesson for Christians today. So take your Bible and come with us as we begin. Well, on our panel today, we have Rosemary Malkovich and uh, Harold Harker. Good to have you with us today. Thank you. Before we begin our discussion, let's ask for the Lord's blessing as we pray. Our loving Father in heaven, we recognize that we are dependent for spiritual knowledge on uh, the gift of your Holy Spirit. And so we pray that he will guide us in our discussion today. And with, may you, his spirit also be with all who are listening or viewing. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, first of all, I'd like to uh, draw your attention to Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 1. Deuteronomy 4 and the first verse says, Now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the judgments which I teach you to observe, that you may live and go in and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers is giving you. Uh, I'd like to particularly notice, Harold, the, the first word of this verse, it says now. now. What led up to this, this now that Moses is speaking of here? Well, when you look at Deuteronomy, the first three chapters are virtually a history lesson. And Moses talks about where they've been. He's been leading them for the last 40 years. And now he's got a, another generation, a second generation, and he leads up to a second covenant. Now in chapter one, he reminds us how they came up to the borders of the promised land and refused to go in and the consequences of that rebellion. And then in chapter two, the 40 years in the desert. And finally, in chapter three, how they how they conquered the lands to the east of Jordan River. Mm -hmm. And also in chapter three tells us how God would not allow Moses right. to go into mm the promised land, God was rehearsing that again, or Moses was rehearsing it with the people. In uh, chapter 3, Deuteronomy, verses 26 to 28, it says, But the Lord was angry with me at your account and would not les listen to me. So the Lord said to me, Enough of that. Speak no more to me on this matter, the matter of not going in to the promised land. Go up to the top of Pisgah, and lift up your eyes toward the east, the west, the north, the south and the east. Behold it with your eyes, for you shall not cross over this Jordan. Mm -hmm. But command Joshua and encourage him and strengthen him, for he shall go over before this people and he shall cause them to inherit the land which you will see. Now, Pisgah is also known as Mount Nebo. And we have a photo, it's yours, Clive, taken from the top of Mount Nebo. And even though it's cloudy and a bit foggy at this stage. When Moses was standing up there, we can imagine that he was actually able to see the whole place because it's not, when you look at that sign, it's not a long way. It's only a matter of 30 kilometers or so to 
to Jericho and, and places like that, it wasn't a long way. So he would have been able to see the whole of the promised land. But God had something better in mind for him because God actually raised him from the dead. Even though he died on Mount Nebo, God raised him and he was in heaven to come down when Jesus was mm. on the Mount of Transfiguration. Yeah. 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 Well, having um, Moses having gone over there, their history, uh, giving them a lesson, as it were, what, what was to be their response, Rosemary? Yeah. Well, let's look at Deuteronomy 4, which you read before in verse 1, but we'll read verse 2 as well. Um, in verse 1 and 2, Now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the judgments which I teach you to observe, that you may live and go in and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers is giving you. You shall not add to the word which I command you, nor take from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. Now, God is telling them here that they are not to add or take away from his word because it's very dangerous that when we do that, we, give, we get a wrong impression of the word of God. They were being challenged to renew their covenant as God had spoken it and to not try to change that, to fit in with the circumstances in which they found themselves. And it's a matter of an everyday reconsecration to God. And there is a, a quote from Steps to Christ on page 70, which is absolutely beautiful. It's well known, but it just speaks to us of what they had to do. Um, Ellen White says, consecrate yourself to God in the morning. Make this your very first work. Surrender all your plans to him to be carried out or given up as his providence shall indicate. And that is a wonderful message for us today. Amen. As well as for the children of Israel back then. Mm. Just moving on to uh, chapter six of Deuteronomy. And uh, I'm going to read verses one and four. Uh, now, this is the commandment. And these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess. So we've got again this, this now statement at the beginning of the verse. And then verse four, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now, the words now and here have the same root in, in the Hebrew in the original language. So, uh, so, so what's interesting about these words, Harold? Well, they keep reappearing over and over again in Deuteronomy. Time after time, Moses reminds them of the obligations they had under the covenant that was given on Moab. Now, this covenant that builds on an earlier one, let me read for you. Deuteronomy 10, and I'm reading 12 and 13. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways and to love him? to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command you today for your good. And uh, so they needed to know that God was almighty and they would then follow him in order. So they wanted to be, they needed to be loyal to him. Mm. Now, now, Rosemary, you referred to this mm. idea of not adding or taking away. Uh, uh, was, was that important with regard to the law? Well, that was chapter four mm -hmm. of Deuteronomy. Let's look at chapter 12, um, verse 32. God said through Moses, whatever I command you, be careful to observe it. 
you shall not add to it nor take away from it. So God is actually saying it again. Mm -hmm. So if God repeats something, it's extremely important. And Satan in heaven was doing this very thing. He was he was taking away from God's law and saying that it was it was too hard to keep. We shouldn't be doing it. And he, when he spoke to Eve, he was changing what God had said. <laughs> He's very good at changing God's words. And we've got to be careful not to add to it or take away, because in the history of the children of Israel, they to try and stop themselves from going back into idolatry, which led them into Babylonian captivity, they were making a whole multiple list of laws, hundreds of extra laws, more than what God had given mm. to try to keep the people from idolatry and try to keep people from sinning against good. God. Yeah. The, yeah, yeah, the intention was fine, but it was totally misleading. And mm. they ended up making the Sabbath a burden and other things like mm -hmm. that. And if we look in Mark 7, chapter 7 and verse um, 7 to 9, we, we see what Jesus had to say to them here. Jesus said, in vain, in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men, the washing of pitchers and cups and many other such things you do. He said to them, all too well, you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your tradition. One of the problems we have is we can end up making tradition our commandment instead of the commandments of God, the right. important thing. And by our tradition, we negate the law mm -hmm. of God. Yeah, it's interesting that um, Jesus brought out this lesson in the practice of what was called Korban. Um, mm. Matthew 15, for example, uh, verses three to six. Again, he's asked this question. Why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? Uh, and he refers to the command to honor your father and your mother. But you say, verse five, whoever says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is a gift to God, then he need not honor his father or mother. And thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. Uh, so the context is, is uh, different, but is the principle the same, Rosemary? It, it is the same thing because they had changed God's law to fit in with their own plans. Corban meant that a child could dedicate the things that were meant to support their parents right. in their old age. They could instead dedicate them to the temple, which really was a form of works. I, give, I dedicate this to God, and so God now has to owe me something. And so they took away the, the fifth commandment, which said to honor your father and your mother. And instead of that, they were doing it for a selfish, mm -hmm. it ended up being a selfish thing mm. and something that was against the word of God. But it is, it is the same thing. They added to mm. the commandments of God. If you do this, you don't have to help your parents. Correct. <laughs> yeah, <how laughs> Very sad. Can we be guilty of the same sort of thing, adding or taking away? Well, you know, our rules and traditions as Christians can be important but we need to know the, what the spirit of obedience is. Do we have that love or are we doing it just to fulfill the laws? You know, a legalistic outlook 
it, it, it denies the principle of love to God and how we love our, our neighbours. And a legalist can never be happy because he never thinks he's done enough. Mm. And if he thinks he's done enough, he's full of pride. So <laughs> don't just do the laws and fulfil them for that sake. You have to do it because you love God. Yeah. Um, something you said, Rosemary, made me think too that we can even add or take away by quoting out of context. Oh, you know, most, by most definitely. Uh, most things. definitely yeah. we can. Um, let's come back to Deuteronomy chapter 4 and we're going to move on to verses 3 and 4 now. Mm-hmm. Um, your eyes, Moses again speaking, your eyes have seen what the Lord did at Baal Peor. For the Lord your God had destroyed from among you all the men who followed Baal of Peor. But you held fast to the Lord your God, and you're alive today, every one of you. Uh, the word Baal, uh, to me, implies pagan idols, uh, Rosemary. Uh, what, what happened at, at Baal Peor? Well, we have to go back into the book of Numbers and chapter 25, verses 1 to 5, to get the idea of what was going on. It was a very terrible time mm-hmm. in Israel's history that God referred to a number of times. It says, Now Israel remained in Acacia Grove, and the people began to commit harlotry with the women of Moab. And when it means people, it means men. <laughs> they invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods, and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel was joined to Baal of Peor, and the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel. Then the Lord said to Moses, Take all the leaders of the people and hang the offenders before the Lord out in the sun, that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. So Moses said to the judges of Israel, Every one of you kill his men who were joined to Baal of Peor. Now, this was a massive time of idolatry and sexual perversion. Um, The people from Moab came and enticed the people from the Israelite camp to come and join them in illicit relationships and drew them into worshipping their gods. Yeah, yeah, under kind of a a spiritual guise, wasn't it? Mm, It was was licentiousness. And 24,000 died in, in... what God did here, because these people, if God didn't deal with this decisively, then it was going to infect the whole camp. Mm. And God doesn't want to see that happen. That's what he had to deal with it mm. with the time of the flood with Noah. And so now he had to deal with a similar thing here. Yeah. Yeah. So who were these Moabites, uh, Harold? Well, the Moabites, they were descended from Lot. When Lot separated from Abraham, he went to Sodom and his oldest daughter, when he escapes Sodom with his two daughters, the oldest daughter, her son was Moab and the youngest one, they had the Ammonites. And so they've all come back from the the Sodom and Sodom was known for its gross immorality. Mm. And this is uh, continues at this time with these people. Uh, as you read here in Numbers 25 again, that the, the people began to commit harlotry with the women of Moab. Uh, it was just, let's go. It's a free for all in this idolatry. It was a licentious gathering. 
Was it more than physical, Harold? Yes, it was. Because beside that, verse 2 says, they invited the people to the sacrifice of their gods and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. And so it was forgetting the God of Israel and now worshipping the gods of these heathen people. Mm. And often uh, the, the scriptures refer to uh, turning away from God as being like harlotry or, or prostitution, isn't it? Sure. Yeah. Mm, definitely. Um, you know, I think, for example, Isaiah says that this, Hosea also uh, gives a reference to yeah. that. Hosea says how the fruit faithful city has become a harlot. So Jerusalem, left, the people went out to these hills and they worshipped these gods. Mm. And Hosea says the same. Whenever they left the worship of God, all heathen worship had licentiousness as part of it mm. and their gods. And they leave the God that brought them out of Egypt and now worship gods of wood and stone. Yeah. yeah. Now, now, Rosemary, uh, clearly in this uh, Baal of Peor incident, uh, the physical and the, the spiritual and the, and the, the mental were, were intertwined. Um, is there a link between our minds and our bodies? Definitely. Let's look at a couple of verses. Um, first of all, we'll go to Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. Paul writes, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And then we'll also go to 1 Corinthians 6, verse 15. And it says, Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. So physical bodies and spiritual bodies, there is a connection between what we do with our body mm -hmm. and our relationship with God. True. Even what we eat can enhance or take away from our ability to hear God. Yeah. And mm. God wants us to love him and worship him with all of our heart, all of our soul and all of our mind. Amen. We are to worship God with our whole being. Okay, so, so Moses reminded Israel of the, the deaths of uh, so many of the apostates at Baal Peor. Um, let's look again at verse 4, Deuteronomy 4, verse 4. But you held fast to the Lord your God, uh, and you're alive today, every one of you. Uh, what made the difference for these survivors, Harold? Well, this holding fast, let me read what uh, James says in James 4, verse 7. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So there is a resisting what's wrong and turning to God. Mm -hmm. uh, let me go what Paul adds to that in uh, Ephesians 6 and verse 11. He says, put on the whole armour of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So if we want to win in this, you've got to put on this armour of God, turn to him, resist the devil. And that okay. makes all the difference. Yeah, so it's really a question of good and evil, isn't it? Correct. Uh, can we have a foot in both camps, uh, Rosary? Uh, no, we can't. <laughs> Definitely. When you're in a war, you're on one side or the other. There's no one sitting in the fence watching both sides fighting <laughs> each other. Uh, the same thing. We're either for God or we're against him. In fact, in um, Matthew chapter 12 and verse 30, Jesus says it very plainly. And he is God. He who is not with me 
is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. Correct. Now, that's so plain. You're either for God or you're against, against him. Mm, 100%. We don't have to choose to do evil, but we mm -hmm. have to choose whether or not we're going to follow God. And God will write his law in our hearts mm -hmm. if we follow him sure. so that we won't want to do anything mm -hmm. against him. And that's one of the most beautiful things about salvation, mm. that God helps us mm -hmm. to obey him. So Deuteronomy 4.4 4 refers to these people who held fast um, to, to God. Um, where else do we find that in, in Scripture, Harold? Well, this word hold fast also means to cleave, to hold on to it so strongly. And it's the word that is used when Adam and Eve came together and formed that union. And uh, let me give another example. When you have uh, Naomi who left Moab and came back with Ruth, she claimed she cleaved to Ruth. She wouldn't leave her. Even though her sister went home, she just holds on, hold fast. And in every case in Deuteronomy, it means this strong commitment. Let me tell you what Billy Graham says. He says, God demands all no less. Yeah. And so it's that commitment. Yeah. Lovely, clear statement, isn't it? So, so does God do the holding fast, Rosemary? Uh, uh, no. Um, God is the one who gives us the invitation. We're the ones who have to take right. the invitation. Yeah. God is always there for us. We're the ones who are to hold on to him. Um, let's have a look at a couple of verses. Uh, let's go to Jude 24. If we hold on to God, God promises us this. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling or from falling, it says in the King James, and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Amen. And another verse we should look at is 1 Corinthians um, chapter 10 and verse 13. And it says this, No temptation has overtaken you, except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So if you don't want to fall to temptation, hold on to God, cleave to him, and the Holy Spirit will give you the ability and the power and the knowledge of how to overcome temptation. Mm. Jesus overcame it with the word of God. Mm. And we have got the same thing at our hands. Yeah. That we a can overcome promise the there same from way. Paul, isn't it? Sure. Oh, it is. Yeah. It's a wonderful promise. Mm. Mm. God will keep us from falling if we cleave to him. Yeah, right? very personal. Mm. Um, just coming back to Deuteronomy 4 again, and uh, I'd like to, to have a look here at verses 5 and 6 this time. Uh, Moses goes on to say, Surely I have taught you statutes and judgments, just as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should act according to them in the land which you go to possess. And then he goes on to say in verse 6, Therefore be careful to observe them. So it's not just a matter of having these statutes and judgments, keeping them, but observe them. Um, be careful to observe them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who will hear all these statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. So what was to be the reason for, for Israel's greatness, Harold? Yeah. Well, there was these two things you've just read, God's statutes and his judgments. And God's laws were there for their protection. 
you know, Israel, God wanted them to be the leading nation to show forth his grace. And if they were obedient to him, other nations would have come to him. Mm. It was a blessing. Let me go back to right back to the first book, Genesis 12 and verse 2. And God says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. Okay. If they'd been obedient, that's what would have happened. So speaking to Abraham uh, here and his and his descendants. descendants. Yeah. Mm. So, uh, so this is a great promise, too, wasn't it, to Abraham? Um, we might think of you know, Israel itself as being a fulfillment of this, but, but who was the ultimate fulfillment of this promise, Rosemary? Well, Israel um, should have been the fulfillment in showing the, sure. the nations around them that if you follow these wise statutes of God, you will be prosperous, you will be happy, you will be healthy, you will be protected, etc., because God had promised to do those things. But the ultimate fulfillment, Jesus is the light. Isaiah tells us Israel was to be the light, mm -hmm. but Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus mm -hmm. is the ultimate light mm -hmm. that was to come to the Gentiles and the whole world. So through him was the gospel to be preached. The gospel mm -hmm. was to become reality. Right. Okay, so you're, uh, you're thinking of Isaiah 49, verse yes, 6 there, are right. you? Yes, uh, that's right. I will also give you, uh, this is my servant, I will give you as a light to the Gentiles. Uh, certainly, I guess initially it applied to Israel, but more particularly, it applied to the to the seed of the woman, as we read in Genesis three fifteen. Yeah, Jesus Himself. Um, coming back to, to Deuteronomy chapter four again, and this time I'd like to look at verses thirty two to thirty five. For ask now concerning the days that are past which were before you since the day that God created man on the earth, and ask from one end of heaven to the other whether any great thing like this has happened or anything like it has been heard. Did any people ever hear the voice of God speaking out of the midst of the fire as you've heard or live? Or did God ever try to go and take for himself a nation from the midst of another nation by trials, by signs, by wonders, by war, etc.? Um, you know, Moses is reminding Israel here that they had a very special kind of history with God's intervention in their behalf. Uh, so Moses reminds Israel how they were chosen. And, and what is God hinting at here, uh, Harold? Well, God challenges us today like he, ch he challenged Israel. Let me read Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13 onwards. It says, you are the salt of the earth. Mm. But if the salt loses its flavour, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. And then he says, you are the light of the world. Now, if you're cooking, you've got to have salt. Mm. And if you're in a home, you want light. And God says, this is what you are for the world. I want you to be the salt and the light of everybody and share what I've given to you. Yeah. Let me put it as the message says, you here, you're here to be light, bringing out the God colours in the world. Mm. Yeah, beautifully said. That is well said. Yeah. Well, that uh, brings us to the end of our discussion for today. Thank you, Rosemary and Harold, for your contributions. You know, God is still looking for, for men and women, boys and girls, who will be his ambassadors in the world. The promises made to literal Israel are still relevant to us as followers of Jesus Christ today.
Resolve that you will be an influence for salvation that will bear fruit for eternity. Well, we're glad you joined us on Let God Speak. Remember, all past programs plus teachers' notes are available on our website, 3abnaustralia.org.au. Email us, if you wish, on lgs at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We hope you will join us again next time, and until then, may the Lord richly bless you. You have been listening to Let God Speak, a production of 3ABN Australia Television. To catch up on past programs, please visit 3abnaustralia.org.au. Call us in Australia on 02 4973 3456 or email radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We'd love to hear from you.